Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and today is uh, Jobs Friday, and I'm uh, joined by three of my colleagues, uh, my, obviously my two co-hosts, uh, Ryan Sweet, Director of Real-Time Economics, and Chris Dorides, uh, Deputy Chief Economist, and a, and a regular here on Job Friday. Uh, that is Marissa, Marissa Di Natale. It's good to see you all. How's everyone doing? Okay? Hanging in there. Mark. Yeah, hanging in there. Yeah, a lot going on in the world. Uh, Russia, Ukraine, obviously still top of mind. Uh, just very disconcerting to watch what's going on there. Uh, has all kinds of economic implications, and we will come back to that, obviously, because uh, that is key to the economic outlook. But I do think it's important to start with Jobs Friday and talk about the job numbers. They were really good, uh, I'd have to say. Uh, curious what other folks think. Uh, and, and then after we talk jobs, Ukraine, Russia, we'll go play our statistics game. Uh, I think that's appropriate, uh, given all the statistics that came out this week, a lot to talk about there. And we'll talk about, you know, broader labor market issues, a lot, a lot of interesting dynamics in the labor market that uh, be good to flesh out. Sound like a game plan, guys? Sound Sounds okay? good. Sounds yep. good. Okay, good. All right. Uh, the job numbers for the month of February uh, came out this morning, uh, Friday, uh, March 4th. Who wants to kind of give us the lay of the land? Uh, Marissa, do you want to do that? Or would sure. you like to go first? Yeah, okay. Good. Yeah, go ahead. I can. Uh, I haven't had a ton of time to look at it, but you guys can jump in if I miss anything critical. Well, so, but like, uh, you know, like you're on the West Coast, so. Oh, that's right. So you're up at 4.30, but it's still, I, I've already run five miles, and, <laughs> you know, uh, swam in the ocean before, you know, you get going. Is that, so, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I was up early. Yes, yeah, so you and I were just on an hour and a half call that started at my 5.30. So that's true. So if I, so I'm prefacing this whole podcast performance on that. I'll okay. just say. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, that's fair. All, all that's, re that's reasonable. Very reasonable. Right, okay, so so yeah, the the jobs report came out this morning. Uh, Non-farm payrolls rose six hundred and seventy-eight thousand in February, which was Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, well above consensus expectations, I believe. That's correct, roughly two hundred thousand. Okay, and um, far more than what my guess was, <laughs> and. Uh, you don't Combined. guess, so, Marissa. You, I mean, guess has got to be the wrong word. Your no, it's estimate. A, it's it's uh, certainly estimate. a guess. <laughs> okay. No, I would say since the pandemic, guessing is an appropriate word. Okay. No, no model is really doing well. For this up. That's, a, that's a reasonable point. Okay. Yeah. So it was a really strong report. And the revisions, to, there were upward revisions to both January's number and December's number that added over 90,000 jobs combined, another 92,000 combined in those months. So very strong report. Uh, the unemployment rate, which is the other headline out of this report, fell two-tenths of a percentage point to 3.8%. So this is a new post-pandemic low on the unemployment rate. Um, it was, what, 3.4, right, going into the pandemic. So it's still yeah. not back down to that, but it's back down to where it was in early 2019. And just kind of scouring through the report, um, it is very strong. I mean, almost very big in industrial gains across most industries. It was really only, I think, the public sector um, didn't add jobs and, and maybe information, but everything else 
did. And one thing I was noting was um, the diffusion index of employment, the one month diffusion index, which um, measures the share of industries, very detailed industries that gain jobs minus the share that are losing jobs. That was the highest one month reading that we've seen since the late 1990s expansion. By the so way, did over you see, uh, Ryan's face. I think that was. Yeah, I was wondering Ryan. if maybe that was. That was my bad. Yeah. When it comes to Jobs Friday, I have like tiers of numbers, but that one was right. definitely on my list. Uh, yeah. That jumped out to me. Yeah. yeah so what what was, was the diffusion index? The one month diffusion index. What was it? What, what percent? Six point over. Uh, what was it, Ryan? Do you know that? Seventy-six point six. Seventy-six six. So yeah, over three quarters of industries had a job gain. Wow. On net. Okay. The other portion of the report, the household data, was really strong. So I mentioned the unemployment rate fell two-tenths of a percentage point to 3.8%. Um, a couple other things there. The participation rate rose. The participation rate for all workers rose a tenth of a percentage point. The labor force rose 304,000 over the month. And if you look across unemployment rates for all demographic groups, they were down across the board. So men, women, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, all fell. Um, and also with educational attainment, the only exception there is people with some college or associate's degrees, the unemployment rate for them ticked up two tenths of a percent, but for every other educational group, it was down. So really good overall report. Yeah, really good report. Uh, Ryan, any any holes to fill in there? Uh, and and I, I should ask, you know, any any blemishes, anything that you know was not good in the report? I think the one thing that people would say is a blemish is average hourly earnings. Which caveat, it's not the greatest measure of wages. Not the greatest. I, I, I don't yeah, even pay attention to it. But worthless, actually. But okay, fair enough. You yeah. said it. I didn't. I mean, yeah. I always view it as worthless. I don't. Yeah. But yeah. people are going to talk about it. And that average hour earnings were basically unchanged between January and February. Uh, there's a couple of factors behind that that are technical. So the payroll reference week, which includes the week of the 12th, didn't include the 15th. And when that happens, historically, average hour earnings are weak. Mm. Also, the composition of job growth, very heavy in restaurants, leisure and hospitality. You know, those are typically lower paying industries that biases wage growth lower. Uh, and then also cost of living adjustments were a lot larger in January. And that kind of set us up for a strong January, weak February. So year over year, uh, average hour earnings are up 5.1%. So still very strong, no matter how it's a blemish doing. that people are going to talk about, but it's not <clears throat> something that you and I are you know, going to lose sleep over. Could it also be the case that we saw these minimum wage increases in, in January? January, that, yes. Yeah, so the seasonals might, that got, you could really juice things up in January, so you might not get as much in February just because the seasonals obviously exactly. don't reflect that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think a lot of states and municipalities across the country raised minimum wages in January, I think. They did. That, yes. They did, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, um, anything else? I don't, I don't want to throw out numbers, but yeah. uh -huh. we didn't talk about my favorite number. Which is Did you see it? The Prime e pop. Are, oh yeah, yeah, right. Uh, prime age uh, employment to population ratio, folks that are twenty five to fifty four. That's your best uh, barometer of the where we are relative to full employment. So what did that do? It went from seventy nine point one to seventy nine point five. Oh, that's a big increase. That's a good. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a impressive increase. And we got fresh, we got a ways to go. We can still get. You want to you know, get to eighty, right? I'm starting to think we got to get a little bit above 80. 
Yeah. We can get above 80. Your rule of thumb had been 80% is consistent with full, in a full employment economy. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back on previous business cycles, every time that's happened, it feels consistent with the full employment economy. Correct. But there's some evidence that, it, you know, like la- the last business cycle, we were over 80 and we didn't quite get the wage pressures you normally typically see in a right. full employment economy. So it could be a little higher than that. But, but no matter how you cut it, we're inhaling distance of full employment now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, uh, Chris, anything you want to call out in the report, uh, good or bad? I uh, agree. Generally positive. Really hard to find something that's negative. Uh, I guess one small thing to watch is the uh, motor vehicles, right? We did see some job losses in uh, motor vehicle construction or manufacturing, right? So that might be something that as we think, as we talk about Ukraine, Russia, and supply chain effects that might feed in. Um, And then just looking at the demographics, agree with Marissa, lots of positive. You did see a a large improvement in unemployment for uh, folks with less than high school. But uh, if you look at uh, men versus women, women actually took a step back in terms of uh, labor force participation and just the labor force size relative to men. So certainly that continues to um, underline this uh, recession that has fallen harder on uh, women versus men. I thought that the gap between men and women had, in in terms of the performance in the pandemic, had largely closed. Uh, Clearly, women got nailed uh, because they worked in healthcare, government, education, where women participation is high relative to male participation. But that had been coming back. No, do I have that wrong? They're still lagging. So looking at labor force, okay, um, men are with the January report. With the, I'm sorry, with the uh, February report, we are now up six hundred thousand in terms of the labor force for men, and then for women, it's still down about one point two million. Oh, is, oh, okay. So that's a, that's still a that's big still a big gap. I, I yeah. got that wrong. Yeah, that's a big gap. That's a big gap. Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, very. In terms of that's in terms of labor force. Correct. In Correct. terms of employment, you do you do know what that? You no, know, that was my next thing to check. But oh yeah, okay. <laughs> right yeah, out of time. I, I, just for some reason, I thought they had been. Cl- I didn't think the gap had closed, but I think it was closing. But okay, that I'm, you know maybe someone can take a look at some point you know in the podcast because I'm really curious about that. Um, okay, anything else about the report you want to call out? <clears throat> uh, not before the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah very good. <laughs> um, uh, just a couple things for, for me. Uh, uh, I do want to. Uh, call out on the positive side, the increase in hours worked, right? That's uh, a tenth, yeah. and uh, that's not inconsequential. And that you know, and also we saw a big increase in temp help. So both those indicators, temp help hiring and uh, hours worked, is a indicator of future job creation. So we might see it does indicate that this job market is you know coming into the what Russia, Ukraine might do or not do to the labor market was coming into that very, very strong, you know, very, very strong. The other thing I noticed is that uh, the number of people who weren't working because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. that, that you know, it rose sharply in January as we thought it would. Uh, Omicron was at its, at, at its peak at that point, but that came way back in, in the month of February. Yeah. Okay. Interestingly, you know, there's this growing gap between jobs and GDP. Have you been you know, noticing that? Uh, I mean, uh, that's, um, uh, you can see in the productivity numbers for the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. So 
output per employee is product, essentially productivity. And uh, that you know took a big jump in the fourth quarter. And year over year, so it abstracts from the quarterly movements, uh, non-farm business is close to 2%. It feels like that underlying productivity growth is actually probably closing in, if not at 2%. Do you guys agree, disagree with that? Which, by the way, that that's a that's a big change from where we were. If you go back, uh, like in the mid part of the last decade, productivity growth was half this. You know, underlying productivity growth was one percent. If we were at lucky. best, yeah, at best, and now we're two. And by the way, two is the average rate of productivity growth since World War II. So if you go back and calculate over the last sixty years or so, is it sixty or seventy years? It's just about two percent on the nose. So we're kind of back to typical kind of rates of productivity gains, which if sustained, and it feels like they're being sustained is a, you know, pretty big deal. So that's, uh, that's, I thought that was pretty significant. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have to say, uh, you know, almost, typically, in, 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 almost invariably in jobs reports, you always find, you know, cross currents, some good, some bad, right. you know, there's always something that doesn't fit, you know, the narrative. But that wasn't the case here. I mean, everything was mm. This is a strong job market. So almost to the point where you've got to start worrying about, you know, you mentioned full employment, mm -hmm. that, you know, we can't sustain this kind of job growth for, certainly not through the year. I mean, we can't, I don't think we can, if we get 500,000 jobs per month on average, like we did last year in 2022, the unemployment's going to be three south of 3% by the end of the year. It feels like, even with an improvement. Nothing wrong with that. Rate. But isn't that an well, overheating economy? Isn't that, I mean, what, what would the Fed do with that? I mean, the Fed's going to be normalizing. No, they'll freak rates. out, but yeah. They'll freak, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. don't, would the bond market freak out with that? Yes. Would, yeah, it would freak out. Mm -hmm. so, so when you say what's wrong with that, is that a good answer? That, that would be wrong with it? or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, yes, the overheating concerns, the yeah. policy response. But, I mean, there's, you know, we've got to aim for a low unemployment. Because remember, the Fed's aiming for an all-inclusive recovery. So Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely. It just has to be sustainable. Sustained, yeah. Yeah, it has to be sustainable. You don't want to push the economy so far that we go back into recession, and you know, obviously, that will hurt those groups we're trying to help the most. Uh, so, I mean, the only way we get five hundred thousand on average is if labor supply continues to increase. That's the key. It's not a demand like in normal yeah. recoveries. It's right. usually labor demand that drives the job market. This time, it's labor supply. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure I agree with that. You're, you know, labor demand is is very, very significant, right? I mean, we were getting, we got 500,000 jobs per month on average last last year, just regardless of labor supply. I mean, it was. It would have had more if we had. I, I'm not less sure. Of labor supply I'm, not, I'm not actually not sure about that, right? Because mm -hmm. there's a phys it feels like there's a physical kind of cap on how many people, how many. Uh, 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 people, uh, businesses can actually hire, bring on, on board during a given month. Because it, it, it was so, you know, after the revisions, we got a lot of revisions last month to the data, the, the monthly job gains last year were incredibly stable. I mean, just looked like, you know, it was almost like a, a machine churning out jobs every single month. So I'm not, it didn't, you know, I'm sure labor supply is definitely an issue in some industries, particularly those, you know, leisure hospitality and in retail and that kind of thing, but it felt, you know, it felt like demand was driving the train here. I, I don't know. Um, this year, labor supply is supposed this to This year, driving. labor supply. Yeah, that's what the point Absolutely. I was making. Last year was Oh, demand. okay, sorry. I was just yeah, picking I mean, a most fight. Business cycles, I was just picking a fight. So. All right, yeah, you want to fight. You know, most <laughs> business cycles, though, are 
you know, the recovery is driven by demand, not supply this time around. Yeah, fair enough. This year it's going to be supply. Yeah. You know, the, the reason I, I am picking a little bit of a fight, I do, we do ask uh, listeners for comments. And one of the comments I get is, it would be good if you guys disagreed a little bit more. So I'm just going to, I'm going to disagree all the time. Do we, we, maybe we're just too nice to each other when we just, well, maybe we, because know. we, we've stopped talking about interest rates, like the 10 year. That deal. is true. That is true. And in your housing yeah. starts forecast, you know, I'm so, <laughs> okay. That, that we're coming back to that at some point. That was um, low. Yeah, that was low, a low blow. But by the way, what is the, the I, I said average housing starts. Uh, this is a digression. I know, but just to make sure that we're on the same page. In 2021 and 2022, the average housing starts would be per annum 1.7 million. Is that right? Is that 1.75. I said one. Oh, I did say 1.75. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll stick to my 1.75. And last year we got 1.6. Yeah. So we need like a 1.85 or something. 1.9. Almost a 1.9, don't we? Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll not going to happen. Yeah, because the supply side. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. The shadow housing starts. What about the point nine? <laughs> All right. All right. Fair enough. Make up your own statistic. If yeah. You can't, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So, anything else on the jobs numbers that anyone else wants to bring up? Anything else? I thought you brought up an interesting point about the disconnect between the employment data and GDP. Yeah. I mean, there's a, something I always look at as Ogun's law, the relationship between GDP growth and the unemployment rate. When there's a discrepancy, you know, people like to bash Oaken's law. They say, oh, it's, it's broken down. GDP revisions always realign it. So if anything, GDP is likely going to get revised higher to uh, be more consistent with the labor market data. Interesting point. Yeah, because the employment data got revised, their benchmark revision to actual unemployment insurance data last month. And you're saying the GDP, that comes out in August, the revision. August, yep. Yeah. You're saying... Uh, uh, that likely will get revised up. In, in, interesting. By the way, we've been doing these, started most of these data deep dives. Uh, we talked about the jobs numbers in detail. We're going to do GDP next. Uh, so um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I listened to your CPI one. Oh, did we do CPI? I thought we did jobs. Or did we do? No, you did CPI. CPI. Oh, okay. So we got to do jobs too then. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Uh, let's turn to... What's top of mind, obviously, uh, and uh, you know, critical to the outlook is what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And of course, these job numbers we got today for the month of February were before all of this mess really you know, got going. Uh, what do you think? How, how big a deal do you think uh, the Russian invasion is going to be to the job market, you know, going forward into the broader economy here in the United States. Anyone want to take take a crack at that? We've been talking a lot about this. We've had a couple podcasts on this already. We've had a webinar. We're going to have another one next week. So we a lot of discussion. But in the context of today's job numbers, you know, how how worried should we be about Russia Ukraine? Is that going to is that going to have an impact on the on the jobs numbers or the economy more broadly? Mercedes, have a view? I, I can go first. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, Chris mentioned the the auto manufacturing sector, and that had lost 18,000 jobs just in February, and this is before the invasion. That's kind of one of the 
two obvious ones that stick out to me that could be impacted by supply chain issues, although it's not clear to me. That's clearly happening in Europe already, that automakers in Europe are being impacted by the lack of or supply chain issues around metals that go into autos. I don't know if we are dependent on, you know, if our automakers in the U.S. are dependent on the same kind of supply chain that that European automakers are. Certainly, rising oil prices is the other transmission of this. That could go two ways. I mean, I actually would expect maybe more shale production to kick in in the U.S. as, as oil prices go higher here, and it makes it actually profitable to extract very expensive oil out of the ground. So we could see a bump in oil production here. Um, but it could be damaging to the auto sector, not only because of supply chain issues, but also if, if oil prices you know, remain above $100 a barrel, uh, it could kill demand for certain types of vehicles, at least. And then yeah. there's obviously the confidence, right? Just if you continue to see corrections in the stock market and uh, people are just generally worried, uh, it could maybe have some secondary effects of pulling back on hiring, but we certainly don't see any evidence of that. And if anything, it seems like employers are just trying to hoard as much labor as they can um, because the, the job market is so tight. Yeah, let's pick that apart. So you, you uh, outlined if three channels through which Russia-Ukraine could affect the economy. Let's oil. Let's lead with that because that I think is the most important. Uh, second, su- uh, supply chains, and you kind of focused on uh, the impact on the vehicle industry because that obviously was an industry that got very disrupted when Delta hit and shut down chip production. And Russia does, and uh, Ukraine produce things that go into the chip manufacturing process that could reverberate around the world. And as you said, in Europe, there are a number of European vehicle makers that get other parts from factories in Ukraine and they can't get them. Like Volkswagen, I believe is right. you know, an example yeah. of that. Uh, that was in the Wall Street Journal or FT. And uh, then the third channel was through sentiment and that can be reflected through the stock market. So let's take each one of those in turn. And I think that that's a pretty good summary of the key. There's, you know, lots of other channels that are, uh, I think, less significant, but those are three key ones. Uh, the first is uh, oil and, and gas prices. And there, uh, uh, the impact on net to the U.S. economy is a small negative. Uh, Ryan, I know you've done a lot of simulations of our global model to try to assess that impact that that small negative impact can you can you describe that those results and maybe give a little more granularity around how that uh, how that how that works and how it impacts our economy yeah so what i did is i ran two which at the time were hypothetical scenarios one where you know west texas texas intermediate oil prices averaged a hundred dollars per barrel this quarter and next and then you know reverted back to you know our baseline forecast typically that's what you see when oil supply shocks it's you know it's a Several months. It's not, you know, just really quick. And then did one where it's $150 per barrel on average. So in the first scenario where we average 100, which we're currently above that right now, uh, it shaves a couple tenths of a percentage point off GDP growth this year. But the economic costs increase quite significantly as you go from 100 to 150, and it really bites into you know consumer spending. But that's offset by an increase in uh, business investment, like Marissa pointed out, you know, more shale production investment in mining shafts and wells, that's 
going to offset you know some of the hit to consumer spending. So when you net it all out, it's yeah, it's going to sting, but it's not going to derail the the recovery. So okay, so oil before this mess was say as measured by West Texas Intermediate or Brent was seventy five eighty bucks, and now. Yep. I looked this morning, we were over 110, I believe, you know. Yeah, 113. 113. for Brent. Brent for 115. Mm-hmm. But you're saying if we kind of settle in, and obviously that's a, a risk premium built into price. Correct. In anticipation of a potential disruption to supply, which hasn't happened yet, but it could. But let's say we don't, you know, actually see a disruption and the risk premium comes in a little bit and you settle in around 100 bucks a barrel, which is kind of sort of close to our kind of baseline view of how this is all going to play out. You're saying that for the U.S. economy, that shaves a tenth or two off of GDP growth in calendar year 2022, something like that. Yeah, a couple of tenths. Yep. Couple because times. you know, there's a hit to spending, but you know, the model doesn't is not going to capture uh, the 2.5, 2.6 trillion dollars we have in excess savings. So there's a little bit of a cushion there for consumers, uh, but it does pick up you know the the boost to uh, business investment in energy-related segments. Right. So prices for oil go up, gas prices go up. That hits real income, meaning if I have to uh, shell out more money to fill my gas tank, I have less to spend on everything else. So con- particularly lower-income households that don't have much yes. of that cash cushion you just talked about would probably have to pull back a bit on their spending, at least relative to what it would have been. That's a that's a clear negative, you know, for the mm-hmm. for that for those mm-hmm. those groups, obviously, and then for the economy. But you know, the higher prices means that these uh, frackers, uh, shale companies, can make a boatload of money. They are and they are ramping. You could see they were ramping up before all this. The rig, the, the you know, the rigs out there in operation. That's going to now take off and increases activity. And the net of all of that is is a small negative for the economy. But you're saying. Mm-hmm. If we get into, for whatever reason, a darker scenario here, and prices go to 150 per barrel, which is would be a new, I think the all-time high. I think it was 140, wasn't it? Uh, on a, maybe on a quarterly basis, maybe on a daily basis, it got to 150. Mm-hmm. You know, back uh, during the financial crisis, um, that would be a different kind of ball game. Yeah. The impact would be much more significant. And of course, if we get to 150, it's not just about oil prices. Something caused those oil prices yes. to rise. That is probably undermining sentiment, equity prices, leading to more global supply chain disruptions and everything else. So, Yeah, I think Marissa brought up a good point about sentiment, and we, and we can get there. But you know, if you look back, the impact of hitting $3, $4 per gallon diminishes because you know, the first time we hit it, there was a big psychological impact because we haven't seen it before. But we've hit it before in the past, so the impact on consumer confidence is, is muted. That's a good point. So, you know, at 100 bucks a barrel feels like the gas, uh, the cost of a, uh, of a gallon of regular unleaded is going over $4. I think we're sitting at $3.70 now. Oh, in Westchester, we're over 4 yeah. I filled up at Wawa. Oh, is that right? You, no, really? No. $4.14 at Wawa. At Wawa, $4.14. That's unusual mm-hmm. that we're so far ahead of the national price. I saw the national price at three seventy three or something last week, the AAA. Yep. Oh, there it is. Oh, Chris just pulled out his iPhone. He took a picture. Whoa. This morning. I'm not even going to tell you what gas prices are in Southern California. <laughs> oh, tell us. Tell yes. us. No, we want to know. Well, I, I paid, let's see, I paid on Saturday four ninety six oh, here. 
And then I went up to the central coast of California to visit friends over the weekend. There were two gas stations across the street from each other. I paid four seventy six at the one, you know, on the one side of the street. Across the street was a Chevron, and it was five fifteen. And this is for eighty seven regular unleaded. Wow. Yeah. And there was someone Not there Ryan's, getting gas, uh, which is very strange. Mm, here we go. Not Ryan's what? <laughs> Not Ryan's fancy schmancy uh, high octane gasoline. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah. Did I tell you I got to the bottom of this? Yeah. Well, no, you didn't tell us. I didn't. No, yeah, I so I was misled that you can you put any type of gas. I, I can go to Wawa and put it in in the car. Is that so. is that a nice got, way of saying you were duped? Bamboozled. I was mis- yeah, I was bamboozled. <laughs> I was bamboozled by who? Yeah. I'm not gonna no, say uh, just no, people just that people. work on the car. People, you know, the mechanic. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay they want. But they specifically work on this car, the, the oh. dealership, and they're like, "Oh, you oh. do not go to Wawa, like do, gas." And then I asked. Somebody else, and they're like, no, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. My brother-in-law's uh, gas station uh, <laughs> down the road here, not Wawa. Mm. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who, who's what, that's? Uh, do you understand what they're talking about, Marissa? Brother-in-law? I, I, what are they talking about? Oh, I think no. Chris they're is making a, a making joke. a trying joke. to make a joke. The auto dealer oh. said, "Oh, go to my brother-in-law." Yeah, they're, oh, yeah, they're in cahoots with the gas station gas down stations. the street. I am so right. slow on the uptake. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have your Wawa coffee today? I did. I got, and actually, I got yeah. a twenty ounce right here. See that? Oh. Yeah. So what's the what's the price increase there? Coffee prices are up. Any uh, mm, flow know, through? I didn't. You I don't know, really pay attention. Because I, I, I have no price elasticity of demand. <laughs> yeah, there's here. no. It doesn't matter. They can charge me twenty five bucks for that coffee. I'm drinking that coffee. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't want to look. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, about about sentiment in in the stock market. Um, Ryan makes a good point, Chris, that, you know, we've been at $4, you know, we're going to go there. Now it feels like with a hundred dollar barrel oil, if we get to 150, then that means at least, well, that, you know, that's, that's 550, you know, something like that. If you kind of do the back of the envelope Mm -hmm. calculation per gallon, that feels pretty scary. Uh, you know, at least in terms of what it means for, and and you in California will be paying eight bucks, you know, for a gallon of gasoline. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine. Oh, by the way, I looked up the previous high in, you know, July of 2008 was 146. Yeah. 145.66. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, And that's WTI, not Brent. Yeah. And Brent's usually three, four, five bucks higher just because, yeah. Um, so, Chris, any comments about that? I mean, what it means for the, you know, I'll tell you one thing that surprised me a little bit on the equity market, at least so far, the stock market, is that, you know, some days it's it's up, some days it's down. And when I say up or down, a big up. A lot. Big down. And actually intraday, <laughs> because I, I look intraday, you know, the swings are massive, massive, massive. And it's like this pitched battle between the bulls and the bears, it feels like, you know, at times. Uh, and, uh, but yet when you look through the volatility, I think stock prices today are not that much different than they were a week or two ago. You know, they, maybe today they're down a little bit, but they're not that much different. So I think the stock market or investors are kind of where we are that so far, at least this isn't going to be that big a deal for the economy. I think is that consistent with your you're uh, thinking, uh, Chris, and, and uh, how, how big a deal do you think the stock market is in terms of overall 
the the economy, consumer spending, the economy, and 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 the prospects for growth. I think it's a big deal. First, well, first I'll uh, I'll uh, push against uh, Ryan's claim that you know 420 oil doesn't or 420 gas doesn't matter. My experience yesterday was right because I passed by the gas station multiple times a day, <laughs> taking so my you got son more back depressed every school. time you pass by. Is that what yeah? So AM three eighty. Oh, uh, I come back home three ninety nine four four bucks. Oh, and then this morning four twenty. So, you know oh, that. What's think, that about? That that's is what, really. You know, maybe it's my local station just catching up. <laughs> uh, but it was really re- within a day. Uh, you know this. You saw this a significant jump, and it was changing throughout the day. So uh, I think that wears on consumers much more than. Yeah, sure. We've been at four dollars before, but we haven't been there for a while. And if seeing that that's a good point acceleration, yeah. I, I think that is going to have an effect on people's behavior and spending patterns going forward. If it continues, uh, certainly. And then yeah, the and stock that, market. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, was, oh, before you go to the stock market, on yeah. that point, uh, I, I argue, and I'm curious whether you think this is a reasonable argument that oil plays a uh, gasoline prices play an outsized role in people's thinking about future inflation and yeah. they, they, people. F- if they they literally forecast with a ruler, meaning they take the price they just saw, they remember the price they saw the last time they looked. And in the case of you, it went up a lot. Yeah. And then if they have another, if they can think back one more time, they'll take that data point. And then they'll you got two, three data points. You just draw a line through that. And then you look out into the future. And of course, no one's doing this on a piece of paper. They're doing it in their mind. Yeah. You know, as as they're doing everything by. else, yeah. And they say, "Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be paying, you know, a lot higher prices. Therefore, inflation is their inflation expectations start to rise, and that's when we get into a big. Uh, that's when things, you know, really can go off the rails because that's interest rates, that's monetary policy, and everything else. Yeah, and you're seeing that there, and you're seeing it at the grocery store too, right? At grocery Food store prices too. are right are rising rapidly as well, so. Yeah, I think the the confidence. Hit, I don't think this is a normal shock either. Um, so I, I worry that this is going to have a bigger bite than what we might expect uh, based on previous data. And the same goes with, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to push back that the relationship between confidence and spending in the short run is very very loose. So you know people can say that you know they're pessimistic, but they'll come continue to go out and spend. Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I'm I'm uh, assuming some type of revealed uh, yeah. preference. I think as these prices uh, go, you are going to see people pulling back and thinking twice about uh, spending on other activities. They've got they've got the savings cushion, so it might not be immediate, but uh, I worry that it's going to be a, a bigger bite yeah. here. And then the stock market, same thing, right? I th- I do think there's this push and pull, but I I don't know that we've fully digested the. So I guess it, it largely depends on what you're outlook is for the conflict itself, but I see it as a, a long-term siege that goes on for a long. And I think that is going to, that is eventually going to weigh on investors. And I do expect the bears are probably going to have when their the day. day here. Oh, I see. So you, you so I think it's going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Go down. And that would take the spending down with it. Right. So you're kind of painting a picture. Our model would say GDP, hundred dollar oil, uh, GDP declines one two tenths of a percent compared to what it would have been otherwise. You're saying it feels like in the circumstances that we are in today, given everything that's going on, it's going to be more meaningfully more than that. 
That's what yeah. it feels like. That's my, yeah. That's, that's my, you want to, you want a little, uh, yeah. S- spice this up a little bit. That's, yeah, 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 that's yeah, the, uh, no. the opposing yeah. view here that, yeah. I don't know. We yeah, fully digested it yet. Yeah. Uh, and of course I'm assuming a hundred dollar oil. If it's, you know, one ten or if it stays where it is now, one fifteen, then, you know, that just adds to it. Uh, okay. Uh, third channel Marissa mentioned was supply chains in uh, poster child for potential problems with the vehicle industry. Um, any comments on that? Uh, how are people thinking about that? Any other, any, any other views? So I, I worry more about uh, from a Russian export perspective, I worry more about the other non-energy commodities, right? So palladium is a large component in catalytic converters. Uh, Russia is the main supplier of that. So any disruption there, I think, is going to translate through and affect all uh, manufacturers. So I don't, I don't, mm. we might have some inventory. I don't know, like, like Marissa, I don't know how, how much inventory we have on hand, but I think that would start to uh, input, impact production going forward. Right. Uh, um, Marissa, Ryan, anything else said on, on supply chain issues? You mentioned, was it in the podcast last week about neon, right, being used in semiconductor chips? And, and again, like you said, 70% of the global supply comes from Russia? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I also learned that uh, 90%-ish <clears throat> of so-called semiconductor-grade neon the U.S. semiconductor ah. plants use come from Russia, Ukraine. So they rely very, very heavily on uh, what's coming from Russia, Ukraine. And interestingly enough, I, I always say Russia, Ukraine, because uh, apparently uh, uh, the neon is produced as a byproduct of steel production, and many Russian factories, steel factories, uh, capture the neon uh, that is produced, and then they ship it to Ukraine, where it's processed into something that can be used. And it's used neon is really important for lasers, and lasers are used for lots of things, obviously, but you know, particularly important for chips to, etch, I guess, to etch the chips to create the circuit, to actually create the circuit, the integrated circuit. And uh, of course, the chips go everywhere, and you know, key to the vehicle industry. So, so that's why it's so important. It turns out uh, that. Um, you know, uh, retrofitting steel factories to capture the neon is, is not all that easy. It, you know, right. it, it, it takes, it's, it, it's a process. It takes some energy and time investment. So it's not something you can solve very quickly. So that is a, a vulnerability, a seemingly a vulnerability here uh, in terms of the supply chains. Um, okay. Oh, very good. Uh, any other channels we should be, I mean, there are many, I guess, uh, to think about, but any other any other things that you think, you know, it's one of those, this is an open-ended question. What, what out there could we be surprised by? Uh, any, any thoughts on that? Um, I, you know, I, not that I expect that there, there would be any, but I'm just throwing it out there just in case anyone thinks there's something else we should be thinking about here. I, in relation to the labor market? Or? No, Russia, just Ukraine, Russia. Any, but any just, impact. okay, any impact. Okay. Any impact, yeah. Go ahead, Marissa. Uh, I was just going to say what China does. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's the sort of how this is, effect, is going to affect our other trading partners in the world. Obviously, this has a huge impact on Europe, but China is sort of the big 
question mark, right, of kind of they're going to stick to the side of of Russia. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a outstanding question in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, that's the most important economic relationship on the planet, U.S. China. That's been been pretty vexed. And, uh, you know, it's hard to hard to say how what's going on in Russia, Ukraine can affect that relationship. Uh, But, uh, yeah, something to watch. Chris, anything, Ryan, anything else on this issue? I guess India, I'd throw that in. Throw that in there. Um, And then it's just a question of the timing here and how long how long the conflict goes on in, in one form or the other, and then how long the um, appetite for sanctions, the resolve of uh, European nations and, and the U.S. Uh, holds out, that's going to play a key role in terms of the price of oil and all the other economic impacts we, we talked about, right? Europe highly dependent on energy, right? Already, even before the conflict, uh, prices were high for uh, consumers if if they're paying even larger uh, amounts for their utility bills, right? Yeah. You have to wonder what the uh, what the outlook is going to be. Yeah. Well, very sobering and very disconcerting to watch. Uh, hopefully, this gets resolved sooner rather than later for everyone's sake, particularly Ukrainian people's sake. I yeah. mean, obviously, a very, very uh, catastrophic situation. Uh, okay, um, but let's uh, you know move on to uh, uh, we'll liven it up a little bit. I mean, uh, I think it's it's uh, appropriate to kind of end on a more positive note. Um, let's talk. Let's let's do the game. Let's do the statistics right. game. We got a lot of statistics, and um, who wants to go first? Should I pick somebody? Ryan, you go first. You're good. All right. So second consecutive week, I'll give you guys a twofer. Right. Okay. So this is two numbers related to the same topic in the same report. Oh, can I say, Ryan, I should, maybe I just took it for granted. People who are listening know this game inside and out, but just quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I got to explain it, I guess. This is a statistics game. The best, so each of us uh, put out a statistic. The rest of us try to figure out what that is through questioning deductive reasoning the best statistic is one that is not so easy that's a slam dunk not so hard that no one's ever going to get it and it would be very nice if it's related to you know statistics that came out this week and to the topic at hand in this case labor market but we've already talked a lot about the labor market so not necessarily you don't necessarily have to do that so with that as a preface ryan go ahead all right here are your two numbers yep 1.573 million okay and the second one is 4.2 million Okay, job related to jobs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the employment survey, is it? In the, is, it's in the numbers that came out today. In the numbers that came out today, in the employment, or excuse me, sorry, in household. the uh, the household survey. Yes, the household. Well, one's a household survey. The other one is the payroll survey. It's in the write up. Related. It's what it's in the write up. Yeah, I don't actually know where if it's household oh. or. Oh. I think it would, no, it would be household. Yeah. Oh, is is the is the four million part time for economic reasons? It is not. Oh, I, that's close though. It's one of those statistics. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's actually four point one. It's four something, right? Yeah. Four point one. It's not the four point two. I'm thinking. Oh well. Okay. But that's a good guess, uh, Marissa. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a half a cowbell at least. 
Oh yeah, speaking of the cow, right, you guys keep debating. Oh no, he doesn't have the cowbell. I got it over I see, here. I see. I actually see two of them over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There he goes. Uh, so four point two, and I, he was very precise. I mean, maybe there's some information in the fact that he said one point five three seven one or something. One point five seven three. So 1. for context, 7. yeah. Normally in February, it'd be around a million. One point one million. Oh, um, you want another hint? Uh, is this the season? Is it seasonally? Is it you said it was in the household survey, though? Yeah, household I'll give you a hint. Yeah, go ahead, give us a hint. It's a strong sign that Omicron's grip on the labor market is easing. Oh, is it the number of people with a job not at work because of because of sickness? Correct. Oh, so so it was at four point two, and now it's one point five seven. No, no, no. One point five seven three million is the number of people that were uh, were employed but not at work because of own illness. Okay, so four point two million is something, something else, totally different. Something else. It's really related to. It's got to be related. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, number of people about- working at home because of Omicron. Ooh, that's another excellent guess. Close, but no. I don't. We talked about it before on the podcast. Uh, do you know? This is right up your alley, Mark. No. This is one number you always ask about. I I do. I always ask about this number. Uh, th- this is not. I I don't know. What what is it? All right. It is the number of people that uh, were unable to work because of the pandemic, down from six million in January. I you know I get confused with because there's a lot of it seems like. So this is like business closures or reduced oh, hours. Okay, okay, okay. This is like a, okay. a more comprehensive measure, comprehensive not just people measure. that are sick. Right. It's, you know, you know your 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 company closed down or they cut your hours a lot, so you weren't able to work. Oh, so the one point five seven is the number of people who couldn't work because they were sick. Correct. And the four point two million is includes those folks, but also, or I don't know if it does. Uh, oh. The four point two million is the special. COVID yep. questions that they're asking okay. specifically about COVID. The 1.5, they've is always COVID asked in, that. Is, yeah. is illness. Uh, it is could be illness general. for any reason. Uh, yeah. yeah the, that's why you always look at uh, past Februarys, <clears throat> just because like this is kind of flu season. So we've right. got that on top of yeah. the pandemic. So, uh, okay. So I'm sorry because I'm just, I had a time getting my mind around the number, uh, what we're measuring. But the 1.57, what is that typically in February? One to one point one million. Okay, so we're about four hundred k above, four or five hundred k above, and the four point two million. Well, of course, that's COVID related, and that's businesses mm-hmm. that are closed or disrupted. And that what is that down from? Six million in January. In January, Omicron. So that's Omicron. That's know, uh, yeah, right. Okay, and we never figured out why Omicron didn't show up in the top line employment gain, right? I mean, we never really figured that out. Just well, we were we were hypothesizing. I think Chris and I maybe Mercer, we were going back and forth that right around the timing of the payroll survey in January, the CDC reduced the oh. quarantining period from, oh, I think it was right. 10 days to five days. That's so right. Right. I think that left a mark like that or limited the impact of Omicron yep. compared to Delta. Yep. Yep. Cause I mean, made it more likely that the person, even if they got sick, went to they, work, they went to work at least got an hour, at least yeah. got an hour in and that. Right. That's the threshold. You just have to work yeah. one hour. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, Marissa, but your statistic. 
Okay. First I'll say Chris, Chris scooped my statistic that I picked. He didn't exactly say it, but he talked about it. So I'd like to come back to it. We could delve into it a little bit more. My statistic was female labor force participation, which was 56.6 over um, in February. And that was down two tenths of a percentage point. Oh, does this mean we're not playing the game? Yeah, we are. I have another one. I have another one. Before to the game. Just saying, we can come back to that because it's a good conversation. And you asked about the gap between men and women. Okay, got it. Um, So my statistic is 48.5. And you're sure it's positive? (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we never forget marissa i'm sure it's yeah. positive yeah all right marissa tends to, to just <laughs> miss the minus signs before numbers you know there goes well all right so what was it again My, 48.5 in february 48.5 and it was related to the jobs employ it was an employment report no no oh okay is oh. it related to jobs yes okay. and fib did it come out this week? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, is it? I was you guys it would get the, this right off the bat. Was it in the ISM surveys? Is it the? Yep. Um, so it's employment. The employment measure in the. I think it was non manufacturing. Yeah. Non-manufacturing yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So it's the employment diffusion index in the ISM non manufacturing survey, which is hold it. Often I, I got pretty, that. Yeah, you guys. did. You got it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There you and go. I got it pretty fast too. Did you yeah. See that? Yeah. Okay. Can I get a cowbell for the one point five seven million no. that I said? Why? No. Oh. Okay. She can. <laughs> she can. Okay. She can. You got, you got like, a, my natural reaction is to say no. <laughs> we need more uh, cowbell. Yeah. So so okay. ISM uh, non manufacturing. They have this mm-hmm. survey that comes out every month for manufacturing and also for the non manufacturing sector. Yep. Now man came out. They asked questions around employment. And it came out at forty eight point five, which is below fifty. Yes, it's how do you interpret so, that? So this means that compared to the previous month, there was a decline in employment among the surveyed service sector participants, and if you delve into the commentary in the report, it was pretty interesting because all the comments were around, we can't hire anybody. We're trying to hire people. We can't find people. This is pervasive across manufacturing. It's pervasive across service sectors. So it looks like, you know, it's not, it's not that anyone's getting laid off, right? It's just that hiring has slowed because it's just becoming so tight, it's difficult to find people. This is why I thought today's report was going to be weaker than it was. You know, I just, and and you see it in the JOLT state. I mean, the JOLT state is older, right? It's lagged a couple months, but you see hiring rates have been flat to falling for the past several months. I mean, it's just seems like we're going to run up against a situation where it's just, we're going to start to see, I think, weaker job growth simply because it's becoming increasingly difficult to find workers. Hmm. And this is the first sub 50 reading on this index since July of 2021 when it dipped right below 50, but it's the lowest since August of 2020. That's interesting. Um, And do you, do you know what is the question the purchasing managers are actually answering when is it, did you add to payrolls last month? Yeah, or? I believe, and Ryan, you may know this better than I, but I believe what they do is they look at the change over the month in employment among all of the respondents. Right. Is that and right? And it's relative to the prior month. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so relative to the prior to January, month, mm-hmm. so it could still have an increase if it's but if it's not as large as correct. In, oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, fifties neutral. Right. So I don't know if we mentioned that. 50, yeah, 50. yeah, the, yeah. Fifty is the right the threshold. Oh, so you know below what? fifty means lower employment or slower employment. Yeah, I never actually thought of, thought of, you know thought about it. I thought the fifty was if I'm below fifty, I'm actually reducing payrolls, but it's not that. You're saying you're saying it's I uh, I added less than I added last month. Is that Correct. right? Oh, okay. I didn't. For some reason, I didn't know that. Uh, and the ISM puts in there what exactly the uh, the index reading has to be that's consistent with either an increase or a decrease in you know uh, employment. Oh, really? So, do you know what it is? In- I, not at the time I had. And you can do it. We can, you know, we've done it econometrically. And I mean, the oh. warning to Marissa is that the ISMs aren't great at forecasting uh, yeah. BLS's employment numbers. Right. But still, that's interesting. And you you mm-hmm. you ascribe the soft number. Although it could be a, a strong number, it's just not as strong as what was in January. But you ascribe that to labor supply issues, not not mm-hmm. going back to Ryan's point earlier mm-hmm. that it's supply, not demand. Yeah. Okay. Because they they solicit comments from the respondents, and, and, and there were supply. a lot of comments about being unable to find sufficient number of people. Well, it stands to reason, right? I mean, you know, at 3.8% unemployment, you know, the, the employment to population ratio is closing 79.5. Labor force participation has improved quite a bit, you know, at some point, and you're creating a, a lot of jobs. So at some point, you're yeah. out. it's just going to run out, literally going to run out of, you know, people to, to hire. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. That was a good one. A good um, one. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Chris, and, and it's really good because I got it. Uh, so. <laughs> Great satisfaction. That's All right, let's important see. criteria. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> let's see if you get this one. 39.1%. 39.1%. Is it related to jobs? Yes. Was it in the employment report? Employment, yeah. The jobs, the BLS employment report. Okay, was yeah. it, uh, uh, is it in the household survey? Yes. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's 39.1%. Yes. Okay. Are we going... Is this a calculation you did? Yeah. No, it is not. It is reported. It's it is actually number. reported. Okay. Uh, dem- demographic related. It is. Mm. Huh. And, uh, Marissa took my education statistics. Oh, uh, oh well we swapped. Fair play. Yeah. You took mine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, democ- so is it is it related to um, to a race? Nope. Age? Nope. Yes. Okay. Is it participation? <laughs> is it a participation rate? It is. You, oh, you're uh, so close. Thirty nine point one percent. That's pretty low. That's right. Is it teenage? It nope. Teenage? Nope. Are we going 65, the sixty five and older? Oh, that's what it uh, is. It's sixty five plus. Sixty five plus. Yeah. Sixty five plus. Fifty five and older. Yeah, okay. Fifty five plus. Yep. Get a half cowbell. <laughs> who, who, who got it? Who got the cowbell? No, Marissa. Didn't you, didn't you get it? Uh, yeah. Oh, I said 65. That's, yeah. Right. yeah, no, it's fair. I said half That's, cowbell. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Thanks. Even three quarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, so, so what's, what, okay, so why? Significance? Up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 39.1% uh, is an improvement from the low of 
4.2%, which was last year. Um, still below 40.3%, which was what we had in February, right? Uh, and what it signifies to me is that you have people coming back in the labor market uh, from early retirement. So we have actually 1.1 million uh, 55 more uh, people who are 55 plus than we did uh, 12 months ago. That's so that's so that uh, may help the uh, the previous statistic that uh, Marissa reviewed, right? If we have a shortage, we do have this pool of folks who had stepped out of the labor market. Maybe they're they're going to come back in in higher numbers. So it, I had given yeah, up hope on the boomers. I had yeah. given up hope on the boomers, but uh, yeah. you know, they might save us. And that might indicate just the sensitivity of that group in particular to what's happening now, right? To higher inflation or fears about their 401ks or stock prices that, you know, maybe they left sort of earlier than they had planned. And now they're kind of rethinking that decision. Because one thing I noticed when I was looking at the female participation rate is that actually where it was down the most was in 65 plus women. So the 45 to 55 was way up and that includes what you just said, but the 65 plus was down. Yeah. I also wonder if it's a small business effect here that, you know, we had that big spike in uh, entrepreneurship. Maybe folks tried it for a while, but Mm. the labor market is improving. So it's more advantageous to come back in. So Mm. I don't know, it's a theory, but uh, well, you know, encouraging that we're getting some household surveys based on a small sample of households. So it can be volatile month to month. Are you observing that this is a something you've seen in recent months? It's just not a month. It's a, it's a past several months or something. But That's right. It's been, yeah, uh, okay. it's been steadily increasing over the last year, right? Oh, so oh, it's, it's over the last year. Yeah. Okay. It, the bottom was 38.2% last March, and it's I been see. increasing steadily since then. So. I missed that. Okay. So 38.2. And what was it pre, pre-pandemic? 40.3. 40.3. Okay. That's, so, that feels like that's a trend. Yeah. yeah. And I guess now with the stock market down in the volatility in stock prices, that might also say to some people, Hey, my nest egg isn't quite as big as I thought it was. I, I might need to get some work here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's, a, that was a really good statistic. Yeah. Really good one. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll give you mine. Uh, yeah. Down 1%. Down 1%. So this is a calculation that you did? No. Or is it a reported number? Reported number. In today's jobs report? No. Uh-huh. Is it labor market? Are you going back to like neon? It's not directly related <laughs> to the labor market, no. But it's okay. an important statistic. It's not a back to normal. No, no, no back okay. to normal. <laughs> copper, copper prices, lumber prices. No, 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 those no, are, no, lumber yeah. prices are up a lot. Oh, a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. They are. It's a good thing you you started your construction on your your home or something. Yeah, great. <laughs> no, so about to build no. a deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, although I'm I'm sure they put a clause in there that you know we they could yeah right. yeah right exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so okay, that was kind of labor market. That yeah. was <laughs> the, you said that that was for the month of January, so it's a little bit lagged. I'll give you the month of December minus point two. Oh. I should, I should know this. I wrote it. Yeah. Oh, I calculated it. Yeah. What is it? I'll let the other two, the other two, the other two do it. it. Okay. Well, I, you will hurt my feelings significantly if you can't get this number. And in, in, in uh, November, it was minus point 
0.34 or minus 0.35 to be precise. Okay, I'll go back one more month. In Monthly October, GDP? it was one up 1.8%. Here's a big hint. Not many places have this. We are, we are, we're not, we're very, oh, it's the, it's the back to normal. Is it back to normal? No, 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 not back to normal. Yeah. Well, no. uh, monthly GDP, monthly GDP, monthly oh. GDP, which I, you know, if you look at the, the, we calculate a uh, GDP on a monthly basis based on all the statistics, Ryan does this, you know, and, uh, it, uh, so, you know, obviously GDP is released by the government, BEA, Bureau of Economic Analysis, every quarter, but we calculate it every month. And actually some countries around the world actually do, Canada produces, UK produces UK. GDP. GDP. Uh, no, we don't do that here for some reason, but we, we take it upon ourselves and we do, we do it. And I find it very informative and valuable because you can get a real good sense of what's going on, you know, more real time. And January was really weak in terms of GDP. I mean, mm -hmm. we got that big job number, uh, but GDP yeah. was really weak. December was weak. Uh, you know, November was weak. Uh, in fact, if you go back, GDP, uh, the level of GDP in the month of January is no higher than it was in August of last year. Basically going flat. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the other thing is, all of the GDP growth has been almost all, I mean, I'm exaggerating obviously, but almost all inventory accumulation. Yeah. yeah. So that gives you a sense that, you know, Delta and now Omicron actually did damage, I think, to the economy. It did a fair amount of damage. It's just that businesses don't care. You know, they know, <laughs> they know that the pandemic is going to go away at some point and they're going to be left with a very tight labor market and unfilled positions and if they stop hiring regardless of what's going on with you know sales revenues whatever out, you know their output um they got to hire they got to keep hiring they got to keep moving because if they shut down the, the hiring machine then getting that back up is going to be really painfully hard and they're going to be left out without you know they're going to have a very severe labor shortage and that goes back to the productivity growth i mean uh, you know, productivity growth in the fourth quarter we just got that that was almost two percent year over year Feels like we're going to get a you know uh, well you know in the in the case of uh, uh, of uh, the first quarter it's going to be very weak right we're going to get a lot yeah. of jobs and no GDP so uh, you know they're looking right through it. Um, yeah, GDP is looking really bad. Yeah, the first quarter. I mean, do we're... you think Ryan we could get a negative? I don't think so, right? Because feels like February and March are going to be a lot yeah. stronger. Feels like it, right? Yeah. In terms of output, I mean, right now we're our tracking estimate is barely positive, but. To your point, February should be a lot better in March. But this jump in oil prices, like Chris pointed yeah. out, that's that could be yeah concern. Right. So I, I just found that very, very interesting. Um, yeah, the, 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 that was down. And and yeah, uh, you know the fact that we do that. And it's on economic view. You you put it's like a headline statistics on economic view to allow you know kind of a but summarizes a lot of what's going on. Okay, um, that's the game. You know, we've already chatted for quite some time here. Uh, is there uh, anything on the labor market front, kind of a broader picture issue that you think we should kind of dive into or discuss? Uh, one thing I did uh, notice, uh, this is some research that uh, Matt Collier and others at uh, in our firm, in our, in our um, 
organization did was around calculating inflation by different income groups, which I, you know, which is you know kind of interesting in the context of wage growth by income groups. Ryan, do you want to summarize that research? I thought it was pretty cool what they did and what they came up with. Yeah, so this actually stems from our podcast discussion when Chris brought up his personal CPI. So everyone's oh, basket right. is different. So uh, Bernard Yaros, who's been on the podcast, Matt Collier, uh, took it upon themselves to go by income uh, quintile, and you can get this data from the Consumer Expenditure Survey, uh, and then you know calculate what you know the growth in the CPI is for uh, across the income distribution. And I think the results were kind of were very interesting. I thought there would be a lot more dispersion, a lot, you know, uh, but there really wasn't. And it just you know shows that you know everyone's feeling the pain of of inflation, no matter if you have a similar consumption basket to Marissa or Chris or I, you know, everyone's feeling the hit from inflation. So, so yeah, I saw that there was a nice chart where it showed month to month CPI, uh, consumer price in, index inflation across the different, I think it was the quintiles of the distribution. Correct. Yeah. And it really surprisingly not any meaningful difference as far as I can Yeah, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I was surprised. The only thing that stood out a little bit to me, and I'd like to see a longer time series, is the folks in the top quintile saw lower rates of inflation. Uh, you know, if there's, if you made, if you had to say what stood out, that was the one thing that kind yes. of stood out. And I think that's energy. I have to double energy. check, but I think it's their that's share energy. of energy. Of course, that's uh, in, their, in their basket. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and of course, on the wage front. Uh, we know from the Atlanta Federal Reserve wage tracker, where they track the same individuals over time and therefore can calculate wage growth by different demographic. We know from that that most of the acceleration in wage growth has been in the bottom in the bottom part of the wage distribution, the bottom quartile, the bottom half of the distribution. So uh, that that would suggest that real wages for high income households, middle income households, is really under a lot of pressure for low income households it's under pressure but less so is that fair characterization yeah i think that's fair fair okay all right i thought that was very interesting work we should continue to update that maybe calculate it on on because this the consumer expenditure survey data has lots of good demographic data maybe we can calculate cpis for other groups and see if anything stands out that would be really interesting yeah we discussed that yeah. by age i think you can do it by age you know for you can example. do it by age yep retirees yeah. yeah i think that'd be really cool <clears throat> really really interesting okay okay um marissa you're our you're a, a resident labor market expert any any other big topics on the labor market you think we should bring up but don't, you don't need to i just was asking if you, anything kind of struck you that we should talk about well just coming back to the question about uh how women have been yeah. doing it is Women's History Month, and it was International Women's Day the other day, and uh, we're doing a joint study at Moody's. I don't want to scoop it, but part of my study was looking at labor force participation among women, uh, which is why I wanted to talk about that statistic. And you asked how it, it was going, women versus men. So men have now regained, if you look at male labor force, they're back above where they were prior to the pandemic. Women are still about a point and a half below where they were, about one and a half percentage points below the pre-pandemic level of the labor force. So there's still a gap there. Um, it is, it, it was narrowing throughout most of 2021. The last few months, it's widened again between men and women. 
I'll note, I looked at as part of the study that I did, I looked across the developed world. Women in the U.S. have one of the largest gaps between, and particularly if you look at prime age women, one of the largest gaps with men in their country. And the gap has widened in the U.S. between men and women since the start of the pandemic, whereas in a lot of other countries, I looked at European countries, Australia, it's narrowed. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of, I think, policy reasons, differences between mm, yeah, us in Europe sure. and uh, in other developed countries that support families more. Um, so we're getting back there. But, yeah, women are still in a deficit in terms of the labor force and men are yeah. not any Interesting. longer. Yeah, I guess ch the child care issues we brought up yeah. earlier. Yeah. Taking elder care, taking care of sick family members, you know, elderly parents. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of, and of course the, the fact that women have, are employed in education and healthcare, the sectors that, you know, obviously have been hit very hard here. And there's a lot of burnout too, I, I, I guess, in a lot of those professions, uh, just yeah. they've been on and, the front lines for so long. And another thing to note is there's disparities even among women, right? So white women are doing a lot better than black women right. or Hispanic right. women mm -hmm. too. And a lot of that also goes to the industrial structure and the industrial composition of the jobs that were lost during the pandemic. Yeah, and we, who's really we, on the front lines. Let's just keep watching that every month, you know, to see what's going on there, because I think that's an important issue and critical to, to Ryan's point that, it, you know, we want a labor market that gets, when it gets back, it's inclusive that everyone, you know, gets back. So not quite there yet. Okay, very good. I, I think we're going to call this a podcast, a lot going on. Um, uh, at Mark Zandy. There it is. There it, it is. is. Uh, Ryan, what's your handle? At realtime underscore econ. And I know I've been noticing Ryan's been tweeting a lot, so he's really into this. Uh, that's good. Uh, Mercer, are you on Twitter? Yeah, but not in an official capacity. <laughs> Can I ask, are you following me, Mercer? I am following you, oh, and okay, I'm following Ryan. Is. Yeah, Ryan. of course. Okay. Mark, I also I noticed that you're following Wawa. You I are? I am following Wawa. Wait, Wawa has a Twitter? Wawa has a Twitter. Oh. Yeah. Although I haven't noticed any tweets from them. They must be tweeting, but I missed it somehow. They're uh, busy hiking gas and coffee prices. Oh, <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're just I, joking. I, we love Wawa. Wawa. Yeah. Okay. Unofficial we sponsor of Inside Economics. <laughs> right. Unofficial <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> sponsor. <laughs> uh, that's funny. And Chris, he's not a Twitter uh, fellow, but he's a LinkedIn maven. So if you want there to you follow go. Chris, uh, call I, him on I, LinkedIn. I do want to make one point before we end. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. on, a, on a more positive note. Yeah. I've been tracking this closely. Every time we have Marissa on for the job report, we have an upside surprise. So oh, that's a good I, I, hope point. She, I hope she joins us in the future just for the sake of the economy. Well, you know, and every time Dante joins on Fribes, it's down. Have yep. you noticed that? Hmm. Huh. I didn't want to go there, but <laughs> uh, so we got to we got we got to get them back based on our forecast of whether jobs are going up or down. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. And Chris or was the closest. Us, have us on together and see what happens. Ooh, oh, the, the universe flat. will be screwed up. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, and Chris was closest of all four of us. Yeah, but we were like within twenty five thousand of each other, right? Except not yeah. me. I no. thought it was going to be weaker. Well, we weren't going to bring that up. We weren't going to bring that up, but. Right. Yeah, I think we're like all around 500K, something like that. Pretty mm -hmm. close, but yeah. uh, strong job numbers. Okay, very good. And uh, again, any comments, suggestions, uh, very helpful. We do listen. Uh, go to economy.com, let us know. Uh, and with that, 
uh, we'll call this a podcast. Take care, everyone. <laughs>